0: get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado.
0: The Timeline is a Blue Wire
1: podcast. Now he's got Brandon Clark on him. Dump it down inside to Aiden. Spins off Tillman and fires it home with a foul. DeAndre Aiden goes strong and a chance at a three-point play. Oh, what a great play. Of course, Chris Paul taking his time, recognizing the big fella, and the patience by Aiden, the spin, and the delivery move.
0: Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing?
1: Doing okay. Uh, not panicking. Uh, the last time <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a weird week, right? We uh-huh. la- last week we talked with Jackson Frank. Ten games into the season, the Suns were seven and three. The Suns are now seven and five. Uh, I think right now the focus is everyone's thinking about the Grizzlies game. It was a really tough loss that they just had. Um, kind of even bigger than that is still the surrounding situation that the Suns are in where it feels like they could have more guys test positive for COVID and have more games postponed at, at any mm-hmm. minute, really. So that's a that's a whole other serious situation that looms over the Suns that I constantly worry about. Um, but... Just taking in the new information we just got from, from the Grizzlies game, um, a lot of good things. Obviously, they lost. There's one big bad thing that, that we can focus on. Um, but, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm okay. Ball's kind of in your court. Do you want to focus on the good thing or, or the bad thing first?
0: Well, let's let's just first recap what happened. Sure. The, the Suns lost to the Washington Wizards in a very ugly game. Uh, and then they had too many players out due to what they call health and safety protocols. <laughs> Uh, Health and safety protocols are essentially uh, some sort of weird verbiage for COVID, Uh, and not necessarily testing positive for COVID, but usually it is if they were around somebody that tested positive for COVID. The Wizards had a series of players that are now out due to COVID protocols as well, health and safety protocols. That led to three games being postponed, and no games for us to talk about had we recorded on Sunday like we normally do so instead we waited until today which is monday we're recording after the memphis grizzlies game they played it's mlk day they played at 3 p.m on tnt it's one of those days where the nba has games three games in a row on tnt so a pretty good day for the nba tough day for the suns i i do think it's tough to go on break after that washington wizards game because of how ugly of a loss it was bad defense really and uh And then to come back and play against this Grizzlies team and lose in a close game to the Grizzlies again. By the way, you remember John Morant had the game-winning dunk on Aaron Baines last season as well. So not, and you know he had a game-winning layup this in this game as well. So not something that we we haven't seen before. But you know the hope is that this team is better than that. Uh, I think we should start with with some of the good things that we saw in this game. Let's start with Deandre Ayton. I think this was Deandre Ayton's best game of the season, in my opinion not necessarily his highest scoring game but more to me he showed the mentality that i think a lot of people want out of him and that is to look at the rim, look at the rim to attack the rim and to really fight for rebounds he ended the game with 18 and 16 he had four dunks in this game after having seven in the 11 previous games so basically you know a little more than half of a dunk a game previously and now four in this game that raises it a lot it looked a lot more like when he was playing very well at the towards the end of last season, when uh you know more aggressive, I would say, so good game by him. What did you think?
1: Yeah, he played with the mentality that's tattooed on his back tonight, right? Um, mm-hmm. it was do- it was dominating. I know I sound I sound pretty calm about it now because the game ended like half an hour ago, so I've had time to calm down. Also because the Suns lost, but. Um, it, it, it's kind of funny as an aside just how crazy suns Twitter and, and reddit and online would still be right now if they had just won this game because there are a couple of scapegoats. We'll get to that later. Um, yeah, I mean De- DeAndre was great he he was fantastic. like you said, those four dunks and the way he got them too just uh, more aggression than we've seen out of him all season long by far he was he was he was fantastic. I don't I don't have one negative thing to say about him tonight. I think the the only thing you could say that was a little bit negative, is more so about the team than it was about him. They saw him being aggressive. I think they liked it a lot, and they tried to feed him in spots where they couldn't realistically find him in the post, and they turned it over carelessly. Um, by they, I mean Devin Booker and Chris Paul, especially mm-hmm. Chris Mikhail Paul. Yeah. Mikael Bridges, yeah, yeah, Um and, and so just being careless with the ball and trying to feed Aiton, I think, was something that was proven to be a little bit counterproductive tonight, and when you lose a four-point game, all of those decisions seem a lot, a lot more important. So that's something that they have to keep in mind going into the future. That being said, I think Aiton proved that when the defense breaks down, kind of as the secondary, the tertiary option in the offense, if he's in the right spots, they will find him. And uh, and yeah, he was he was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I I like that you said that if he's in the right spots, they'll find him because you're exactly right. I think forcing the ball to him especially in the post and on mismatches is tough if you can't get the ball to him immediately i think they need to move on to either either screens or working the ball around with the guard attacking the mismatch on the big because he's still there to get the rebound or if they can get by the big and they draw that secondary defender it's an easier pass to make to Eaton. once again passes lob passes to Uh, a center in the post is not as easy as I think a lot of people think it is. Mind you, this team has Chris Paul. like He's a very good passer. Devin Booker's become a very good passer as well. But if there's someone fighting with the center and there's a defender in front of the person passing it, that's two people that you have to worry about to get that pass to somebody and not a lot of movement. It's just guys standing around waiting for it to happen. In a sense, it's antithetical to the idea of point five offense. I agree with that. I think that's the type of thing. I think it's on... Chris Paul, it's on Devin Booker, but it's also on Monty Williams. They have to find the ways to get DeAndre Ayton the ball in the right spot. I think pushing it in transition helps a little bit. We saw that a few times yeah. today with Chris Paul pushing it in transition and then finding DeAndre Ayton in the right spots in transition, and that helped a lot. He's
1: He's always been great in transition, so it's good to see them push the pace. I mean, Chris Paul is who he is. So you know he's going to slow down the pace. We've seen what the offensive identity is of this team at this point, and I don't think it's going to change that much. But DeAndre has always feasted in transition opportunities. It's just a fact. So uh, any excuse you can find to get him to run the floor is great. Now, I do want to say, you know, I don't want to feed him in the post constantly, but the aggressive move he made, the one dunk he got on, I don't even remember Mm -hmm. who it was, Who, who was it? Do you remember?
0: Uh Xavier Tillman. Was it Xavier I Tillman?
1: I don't remember if it was his direct matchup or if it was a mismatch. I'll have to go back and look. But oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. Like I know yeah. they they turned it over a couple times trying to get to it, uh get the ball to him, but that one dunk was so cool. I mean, I, dude, I I don't think I paid attention to the rest of the third quarter, which was like another 4 or 5 minutes after that because <laughs> I literally I was watching the game with my roommate who we're both in New York, but he's also a Suns fan. I was just screaming. I literally just, I sat there screaming for like two or three minutes straight. It was just a vicious old school, like David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon-esque dunk. Um, and it was Mm -hmm. so, it was so nasty. So, you know, a post offense in 2021, we know it's not always the most efficient thing, but, uh, if you're willing to be aggressive, you can kind of, you can kind of pull it off sometimes. And we've seen guys in the modern era who are capable of doing that. Joel Embiid still makes a living out of it, for example, um, yeah, so for DeAndre just to be willing to rear one back and, and dunk on him was, was awesome.
0: I, I'm glad you brought up that play. I think that's actually a really good example. That was Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton alone on the strong side quickly. Yeah. Uh, and that what I mean by that is after a make, they ran it down fast, Ayton sealed off his man fast, Chris Paul got the ball to him, cleared out, and that gave DeAndre Ayton the space and the time to be able to get to the rim there. It wasn't a, a scenario where... A screen forced to switch. He's trying to seal off in the middle of the paint, surrounded by guys on both sides, and uh, there's a lot of risk throwing that pass in there. So that was a great example of how to get to the ball, get the ball to him in the right spot, and uh, be able to succeed. I think it lined up really well for DeAndre Ayton to have a great game in this game. A lot of people thought that he should have had a really good game in that Washington Wizards game. Uh, with Thomas Bryant out. Thomas Bryant's actually not that good of a defender, a pretty good offensive player out for the season. Robin Lopez is in now, like Robin Lopez in that game. Robin Lopez is exactly the kind of guy that actually kind of gives him trouble in that he's really great at boxing out, he's sturdy, strong, he has a low center of gravity, and he's just a smart veteran. Those are the types of guys that give him a little bit more trouble, uh, people who expected that out of him in that game I think maybe we were expecting a little too much that's not to say that he can't do it he's done it against Jokic so he has the ability to have a great game against anybody on any night uh, and I, I just think this game was the type of game where things sort of lined up well they were starting guys more injuries COVID protocols jo- Jonas Valanciunas was out in this game so the Memphis Grizzlies were on uh, their second string as well starting yeah. in this game with uh, Tillman and that meant that Aiton had a size, a strength a mismatch, and he had he probably has played more NBA games than him, I would guess as well. So there's a little bit of, even he's the veteran in this scenario, so this is the type of game where I think it lined up really well for him to play really well, and it ended up being uh, that way. The The Suns also changed, I don't know if you have anything else in DeAndre, Aiton, uh, but feel free if you do.
1: Uh, not that I can think of off, off the top of my head, um, I'm just reading Kellen Olsen's Twitter feed, uh, Monty Williams said, DeAndre Ayton was awesome tonight, said that's the way he needs to play every night. I think yeah. that basically speaks for itself. It echoes well, what, what we've been that's, saying. Well, I
0: actually think that's the right point to make, though, right? And it's good that Monty Williams said it so we don't have to get blamed for saying it in a way. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has to be good as as consistently as possible. To, and uh, I, I
1: guess what I would want to say, to be clear, like when I agree with Monty here, I, I think this is the way DeAndre Ayton needs to play every night. That doesn't mean he can't have off games. Like, this was one of the best games of DeAndre Ayton's career. The expectation is not for him to play like it's one of the best games of his career every night. Um, But even going beyond the dunks, because the dunks were great, the few times that he dribbled tonight were really what, what got me interested. There was one play where he took a three, something he didn't do really last season until a couple times in the bubble. Took a three, missed shot. Jay Crowder kind of gets the rebound, taps it back to Ayton. He has it right uh, right outside the the free throw line. Takes a couple dribbles in and finishes, um, tries to finish strong. He I think he missed the shot, but he got fouled. Goes to the free throw line. And just in a seven or eight second span, the confidence in himself, to have the ball in the high post area and put the ball on the floor. And we saw him do it multiple times in the post as well. Just dribbling, getting more comfortable with dribbling, that's the most important thing. Um, Dunking is cool too. I love seeing the aggression from him because it generates highlight plays and it gets Shaq to say nice things about you on national television, which is, (laughs) you know, we could talk about that quickly too. That's never a bad thing. Um, No. But I know DeAndre. The thing is, I know DeAndre is a great finisher just as a layup finesse guy too. You know, I know. So like, I I. Don't question his finishing ability really as much as I just want him to look for his own shot and tonight he looked for his own shot and and that's what impressed me um, the most it was great that he had four dunks but that's not like the thing that really makes me cream my pants here
0: yeah it's yeah I completely agree although I will say that going for dunks is something that he needs to do more often he was at a much lower rate than previously in his two-year career before this year and that needs to continue to go up. The reason being not just necessarily for the highlight play of the dunks. I also think going for those dunks will lead to more free throws. And that type of thing is also good. There are times when he goes for a finesse layup that could have been free throws. It could have been an and one if it were a dunk. You, you hear Eddie Johnson say it all the time. Eddie Johnson will constantly bring it up during the game. So there are times where that affects him. And this game was a great example of how good he can be on any given night. Uh, if he looks at the rim when he's in the paint. I looked at all, I sent this to you too, Sam. I looked at all of the top 10 guys in paint touches this year. Aiton's close to the top, I believe he's number two right now. And I was trying to see how often guys look at the rim when they're in the paint to see where Aiton stacks up. He's like seventh or eighth out of the top 10 guys as far as field goal attempts to paint touches. Yeah, so it's a ratio, right? Right. Yeah. Which is not exactly what you want out of him. I think when he's in the paint, he's so good. And that shooting percentage is in the high 60s when he's in the paint. So when he's in the paint, he needs to look at the rim as much well, as possible. I'll tell you what. I, and I think, you you know, actually something that I've been meaning to say on this podcast, I think that we've gone beyond the point of not worrying about his offense in a lot of ways, because previously I wasn't really worried about it because of how well it went his rookie year and how good it was his second year. The start of this season, there were some worrying things where even if the defense was relatively good for how good he has been, uh, there were times where it was worrying. And I think we're we're beyond that now. There are times where he needs to step up a little bit offensively, and tonight was a great example of how he can do that.
1: I think Wednesday is going to be not to jump ahead of ourselves too much here, but it's going to be a really good test of this because you're playing Houston in another national TV game, and Christian Wood to speak on the ratio you just mentioned is one of the most aggressive big men in the NBA. He's just, he's not afraid to put the ball on the floor. He's not afraid to dunk 10 times a game. So if Aiton brings the same level of aggressiveness that he showed tonight, it'll be great because he can match Christian Wood easily. He's also a lot- He's much stronger. He's also stronger and a lot bigger than Christian Wood. Um, If he doesn't bring the aggressiveness and we see more, more out of him, like in the game against Washington, uh, I, I just think it's going to be one of those types of matchups where that contrast is going to stand out and be really obvious and start a flame war online if, of some sort because Christian Wood is, you know, he's going to get his highlight dunk or two at some point during the game. So the question is yeah. more so just if Ayton matches him or not.
0: What do you think? I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'm sorry, but. That's fine. What do you think happened to the Ayton discourse online this season compared to previous seasons? Because. Uh, on the same day, I can get people that that are telling me I'm too hard on Aiton, and then different people on the same day telling me I'm too soft on Aiton. Yeah, and I just I, I'm tr- I'm doing my best to not let any of it affect how um, I look at his game or how I analyze the way the Suns are playing. Uh, but it's become such a topic where it, it almost feels like at times that it's not worth talking about. I mean, that absolutely <laughs> well, with a lot of people it
1: absolutely does because a lot of people take it too seriously and. Evolve into personal harassment um it's it's become toxic i think we're not the only sons podcast that's touched on it um frankly and, and yeah yeah i don't know i mean this is what happens when you have multiple years of people kind of turning themselves into caricatures on opposite ends of of this kind of spectrum of debate how do you
0: think that happened i mean i guess there's a there's the element of where he was picked in the draft but i, I also think homers
1: are they're always going to be homers so in, in any team fan base, it's not, it's not something that's unique to, to Phoenix. You're always going to have people, the player stand accounts and, and whoever else, who are always going to be positive about a team and, and then are going to be mad if you kind of try to criticize the, the negative aspects of a player. Um, on the other end of things, how how did we get to people who are... I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I I guess I think that the, the, the extremes on both ends of the spectrum are always going to exist because on the one hand you've got the people who are overly positive the homers like I just said on the other hand this is something that's not just unique to Aiden either but you've got these people who at him personally <laughs> on Twitter right, right? and like right. try to slide into into his DM's and um, that's not something that just happens to DeAndre Aiden unfortunately it's something that happens to all professional athletes it's one of the worst parts by far I'm sure of being a professional athlete where people assume that just because you're you're playing a game for a living and maybe you're making more money than them that you are not a human being with you know feelings <laughs> and emotions like other people and they can just treat you like shit and and try to harass you personally so I think the 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 reasonable medium is just to be honest about your feelings um, people exist on a natural spectrum of of glass half empty to glass half full to begin with But no one can accuse you of not being yourself if you're just always honest about what you actually think. So if you actually believe that Aiden is doing a great job 100% of the time, I'm going to tell you right now, personally, I think that, you know, I don't agree with that. (laughs) But as long as you're being authentic, I think that's the most important thing. And likewise, Mm -hmm. on the other end, um, if, if you're usually not impressed with what you see, as long as you're being authentic, then, then that's the most important thing. And no one can try to pigeonhole you into one side or the other and, and box you into one end of the spectrum, as long as you always show that kind of authenticity in, um, in your analysis. So,
0: Yeah. I feel like the word bust is like one of the biggest culprits in what's happened here, because by all metrics, DeAndre is not a bust, but I think a lot of the extreme levels of rhetoric come from either people saying he is a bust, or people who are uh, like over the top with ensuring that people don't believe that, and I think most Suns fans are somewhere in the middle where they think he's done a really good job, but can still improve, which is, I think, the right place to be, especially this season. But it I do really, think it, there's a lot of fans for other teams that just say bust, 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 bust constantly I every mean, time where they, they hear him t- talked about, you know.
1: I'm not going to call out specific fan bases, but I do think it's important to note, like, if people think the in discussion is toxic, which it, it is, it's not nearly as bad as it would be in some large markets. Um, <laughs> right. You know, there are some cities in the U.S. which which have much worse, much, much worse treatment of their of their players. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mess. But bottom line, DeAndre had a, a fantastic performance tonight, and I really think you yeah. would find very, very few Suns fans who had any sort of issue with, with how he played. It was, just, it was well, objectively yeah. I, I think, pretty great.
0: I think that's the main thing, right? When he does the things that people want him to do, he does really well. And I feel like, uh, you know, as Suns fans, it's pretty clear what he needs to do uh, in order to be good because Monty Williams, uh, James Jones, and Devin Booker, and Chris Paul... They'll all go in interviews and they'll say what they expect him to do or what they want him to do. And when he does those things, he does really well. So I hope that he continues to do that more and more on a regular basis to be more and more consistent because that would help the team a lot. You know, It's tough to lose this game with as good of a game as he played, and there's some obvious culprits, I think, in a way that I don't think a lot of games have had. A lot, like an obvious culprit like I don't think there's any game this season where I could say there's this one person that played really badly and that's why the Suns last And this game this might be the one do you want it? where you could say that uh yeah. with Devin Booker and his sure. performance which, which we'll talk about in a minute but it's tough and, you know it's even tough for that last layup by John Morant to be on eight and especially because eight played great defense on that layup I'm glad it wasn't a poster like it was with Aaron Baines but uh you know Aiton got job back, though, because he ran him over pretty, pretty, pretty hard uh, in he that did. third quarter there. He but did. Uh, tough game. Tough game. But the Suns did make a change. And, you know, Monty Williams hinted at making a change to the starting lineup after the Washington Wizards game. And I wasn't sure if this change was something that was going to happen now because of the time off. They didn't practice. They had one-on-one. Uh, Only one-on-one workouts only, but they still made a change. And I'm not sure if this is because Dario Saric is out. By the way, if you didn't know, Dario Saric is out with health and safety protocols. Jalen Smith still out, by the way. Read into that what you want, but it's been a while with Jalen Smith. I hope he's okay, and I hope he's healthy. I think it's the main thing there with him. Uh, But they moved Jay Crowder to the bench. They moved Cameron Johnson into the starting lineup. It didn't appear to fix things. Uh, You know, the first quarter went relatively well. I don't think it made a difference.
1: I don't think it made a difference at all because, um, you know, I don't want to gloss over this subject too much, but Jay Crowder was never the issue with the starting lineup and Cam Johnson was never the solution. And uh, as we Mm -hmm. saw tonight, like you said, there was one culprit. God. maybe there were two culprits maybe uh, for the most yeah. part there I was... mean six turnovers for Chris Paul is tough that's what I'm but saying but never happens Chris Paul wasn't he wasn't Chris Paul the last time he had six turnovers you'd have to go to some time back last year in OKC I, I would imagine it only happened a couple yeah. of times because it's just not something that he d- does frequently Um, But yeah, I mean, I I, I liked your analysis before the game because I think you were trying to read into it and I think a lot of the logic there makes sense. Cam is a little bit more likely to drive the ball than Jay. He has been sufficiently solid on defense that you're not giving up too much in that substitution, I don't think. Um, But at the end of the day, they're too similar and they're playing too similar uh, amounts of minutes for it to really be a significant change that you would notice instantly in game one. Um, So yeah, I mean, look, I think Cam played well. learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder of the starting lineup next game right um but i think that's more so just a case of you've got two equally fairly equally talented guys who are interchangeable in that position and neither one is at least at the point yet in this season um obviously stealing the show where they have proven definitively that they deserve that spot
0: what do you think the problems are i'll tell you what i'll tell you what my my
1: thoughts are I, with the starting lineup I don't know so I mean mm-hmm. I mean look here's what I can because we've been dancing around the issue I don't know if you want to go to break first before we talk about Devin Booker if you want to talk about Jay Crowder first yeah
0: yeah let's take let's take a quick break okay. we'll come back and gonna... we'll talk about what we think are the issues with the starting lineup and we'll talk about Devin Booker a little bit more so we'll be right back
1: the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast.
0: All right. So, Sam, I want to tell you what my theories are for what the issues are with the starting lineup. So, I mean, let's actually, let's just talk about Devin Booker first, because I think this is a conversation that needs to be had at this point. Uh, I believe four games into the season or something like that, we had a podcast uh, where we talked about the first four games. And I asked you, are we worried about Devin Booker? He struggled a little bit at that time. It was more of a turnover issue than anything else. And we both kind of landed on not really. Maybe I was a little more mildly worried I feel like at this point I'm, I'm, I, I've, I'm pushing myself into more of the moderately worried <laughs> <laughs> as far as how uh. I feel about how he's been playing. Now, I, I want to preface that by saying I think that he could easily just have a string of three really great games in a row and come out really good. But I also think that this team was set up in a way that it should have been easy for him to score there's a lot more spacing there's great passing there's playmaking um, there's rim runners although i think that's been one of the issues with the starting lineup i think there hasn't been a lot of paint scoring yet Uh, and it should have been easy for him to score so far he's below on his averages he's below on his efficiency he's above on his turnovers so far this season and in this game he was dreadful. He was really bad. He, yeah. he The refs got in his mind a little bit early in the game by not calling some calls that he clearly believed should have been fouls and, and in a lot of ways maybe should have. That's not necessarily the point in this scenario. Uh, and I think it just got in his head in a lot of ways and, and it forced him to take some bad shots, make some bad passes, and just play completely out of his element. I guess there are a lot of reasons you can think about for what his look like, but I want to ask you, how can this be fixed in your mind and are you worried?
1: So it's a difficult conversation, I think, because you're asking me, and I generally consider myself, I'm a numbers guy, and I think of myself as at least trying to be a rational person. When it comes to Devin Booker, for what he's done for the Phoenix Suns franchise over the past five years when they've been so bad, it's hard for me because I think I need to make a little bit more of a faith-based argument because he's been bad. Uh, He's technically averaging over 20 points per game, but, like, you know, just as one advanced stat. His advanced stats profile is really shitty. Right now, Vorp thinks he's basically a replacement-level player. Um, And I don't think that's entirely fair. I don't think you can boil it down just to one single advanced stat, because the truth is, even when Devin Booker is missing shots, his gravity is obvious. It's obvious the level of respect that the defense gives him out there. That being said, he's missing shots, he's committing turnovers. Um, He he sure as fuck doesn't look like an all-star. Um, he doesn't even look like a top 50 player uh, in the NBA right now. He doesn't even look like a top three or four player on the Suns. Um, so by all measures, he's been bad. Uh, I'm still going to lead towards saying that he's going to be fine, though. And I think, yeah. I, again, it's it's a faith-based argument uh, on my end. because I'm, <laughs> I'm t- I, It is because I'm telling you, he's been really bad this year. And I here's, here's the bottom line. We're 12 games in. Devin Booker's been really bad, indefensibly so and i yeah i mean i th- i think he has to get better because you bank on guys who have a great work ethic and for the past 5 years when have we ever questioned devin booker's ability to work right. on his game so i think you have yeah. if you're a suns fan you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt um and and just hope that it gets a little bit better but there's nothing that i could say to kind of deny the fact that he's been really bad so far because he just has been
0: yeah, I'll push back on that. I, I, I think there are games where he's been relatively bad, and there are games where he's been pretty good. But in none of the games, even the games where he's been good, has he looked like himself in a lot of ways. And I think that's what worried me uh, worries me. I think going as far as saying, and I'm going to give you the chance to retract this if you'd like, but going as far as saying he doesn't even look like a, the third or fourth best player on the Suns is probably too far, uh, in my opinion. I mean, Because none of the players, I think, on the Suns have pl- necessarily outplayed him. Uh, in a lot of ways I don't know I mean
1: it's look like like I said you know Devin initiates sorry book Devin makes him uncomfortable (laughs) he initiates a lot of the offense and it's it's not fair to make the comparison because like Mikael Bridges Cam Johnson the open shots that they get aren't created without defenses focusing in on Devin Booker that being said at a certain point you have to hit those shots and if you're not hitting those shots I think it's totally reasonable to say Mikael Bridges his uber-efficient self cam johnson his uber efficient self have been better than devin booker this year chris paul i think has been better than devin booker this year that's three right there
0: yeah i think you're wrong <laughs> okay that's <laughs> fine that. you're I, here's why i just don't i think one of the reasons mikhail bridges and cameron johnson can be ultra efficient is because of the gravity that yeah i know devin I, I, right yeah So that that type of thing matters. If they're unable to create for themselves, then it matters a lot. Yes, Devin Booker struggled to create for himself, but arguably he probably, besides Chris Paul, he probably has the highest number, at the very least, the highest number of field goals created for himself. Chris Paul probably has the highest percentage of unassisted field goals, but a lot less, you know, eight points less, well, I guess 10 points less a game for Chris Paul so far this season, so that's going to make a big difference. This is stats are, by the way, before this game is updated on basketball reference, but I think it's an interesting conversation as far as why he's struggled. And so much of that I think is as well, why the starting lineup has struggled so much of why the Suns were good in the bubble where Devin Booker averaged 30 points a game was this giant team sort of revolving around Devin Booker. There were more pick and rolls with Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton than at any other point in that season. And the entire team sort of revolved around him in a very interesting way. Uh, Ricky Rubio, I think Ricky Rubio's willingness to shoot an off-ball three mattered for Devin Booker a little bit too because Devin Booker, so much of what he can create for people is a single screen and a pass to a wide-open three. If that three is not being taken by guys like Chris Paul, still good things can happen, but I think it would help a little bit if Chris Paul was more willing to shoot a three. Well, I would say there I don't was, think there was
1: yeah, there was one example tonight where it stood out to me. Um, Booker kicked it out. to, I think it was a wide-open Chris Paul in the corner, and he still pump faked. Waited for the defender to kind of fly past him. And, and pass to Jay Crowder, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, he just, Chris Paul does not take simple catch-and-shoot threes. So I think there is an yeah. argument there that he maybe overcomplicates the offense at, at times. Yeah. But I, I, I just, yeah. But go on, well, go on. <laughs> uh,
0: so ultimately, I don't necessarily, I agree with you in that saying I don't think Jay Crowder was the problem with the starting lineup. I think Jay Crowder's been excellent defensively, and I think you could look at what Jay Crowder's done this thus far this season uh, you know, offensively and say that he's given you maybe even more than you expected. He's about his average on three-point shots. He's done a lot of uh, good as far as passing the ball. I think he's averaging 2.3 assists before this game tonight and has done a good job moving the ball. Uh, yes, Cameron Johnson is better, Offensively, but I think that mattered for the bench a lot too. So can either way, I'm not upset with Cameron Johnson being in the starting can lineup. Can I just say I do think if you play guys like James, like um, even James Harden or LeBron James or some of the bigger offensive players, you probably want a guy like Jay Crowder in there, especially if they're at power forward. Uh, but I don't necessarily think is he's the problem. I do think that the problem with the starting lineup is more of a stylistic problem. Uh, than it is necessarily a personnel problem. I think they are not pushing the ball. They need to push the ball a little bit more, something we talked about previously. And I do think the ball needs to be in Devin Booker's hands a little bit more than it's been in previous times. And this this matters, I think, both for Chris Paul and Cameron Payne, both of them playing very well. But Devin Booker, and this is, you know, it matters too that he's able to do good things with it because he's had a lot of turnovers so far and his efficiency is relatively low. But I do think it matters as far as the ball being in his hands a little bit more. Him running a little bit more pick and rolls than previously. It'll be interesting to look at some of those stats once we get maybe 20 or so games into the season and compare them to last season because I think it's a little too early to look at that so far and draw any major conclusions from it. But I don't think it's a personnel problem. I do think it Here, matters though. Wait, right? Wait, okay. In Here. this game, Dario Schartz didn't play. If Dario yeah. Schartz did play, they, I think they would have won it's as simple as that I
1: I just have to push back a little bit are is it possible and I'll just ask in the form of a question Mm -hmm. is it possible that we're trying to explain the unexplainable is is that possible because (laughs) because think about it I mean it, it just you know you've watched every minute the same as I have of the games I feel comfortable when Chris Paul has the ball in his hands, and I can't honestly right. say the same for Devin Booker. So for you to tell me, well, the solution is, you know, there's not an equitable balance of power between the two, and we need the ball in Booker's hands more, I'm wondering if, you know, it's 12 games, and I know we can't keep using the small sample size argument forever, but I mean, Mike, he he blew a dunk that I've never seen him blow tonight, and you know, yeah. he missed some shots that I, that were open, and I've never seen him miss those types of shots, at least not so frequently. Uh, I I I mean I just wonder right right. I I just wonder if it's gonna come back Uh, again it goes back to what I said at the beginning it's a faith-based argument because I'm telling you I know he sucks and I don't know why but I (laughs) I I just wonder if trying to fuck around with it too much is gonna make the problem even worse and maybe it's more explainable by a Kendall Jenner curse for all we know I don't know (laughs) I mean I just you know I'm just asking questions that's that's all I'm doing (laughs) I'm asking questions but uh but yeah I don't know what do you think
0: I think that It's actually kind of odd when you look at the shooting percentages, uh, like based on the distance away from the basket for Devin Booker. Like, because at first thought, I would think that his. Uh, field goals like his shots from mid-range are not dropping like they were but when you dig into the stats a little bit they they kind of are like he's doing relatively well as far as making those mid-range shots and the numbers as far as how often he takes them has gone down a little bit in certain areas but but it's not like this major big glaring thing that to look at Um, you know the free throw attempts I think is is something that is getting in his head a little bit too Uh, it's not quite I mean, he's missing the shots when he gets the free throws, and he's not quite getting as many free throw attempts as he was. Seven point three per game in two thousand nineteen twenty, seven point three per game in two thousand eighteen nineteen, and then five point nine in two thousand twenty twenty one. I don't believe in any curse. I think it takes away personal responsibility from any <laughs> issue that's happening here. So, <laughs> you know, some blame has to be put on Devin Booker himself. He's got not. He's got the yes. You know, I I I don't think that it's a major. I do think that. Every season that we've seen of Devin Booker so far, he starts out a little slower than he has been towards the end of the season. So that's something that could be happening here. Obviously, a very weird year. Uh, Things are happening outside of a normal year that wouldn't necessarily be happening. The inability to see your family as much as you want. Not able to have visitors on road games. There's like all these issues that wouldn't necessarily be happening in a normal year. No excuses. I think he should still be better. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. I'm not... I guess... I'm moderately worried, but still not that worried. I think it's something that they need to work out a little bit better. But I do think the chemistry between Chris Paul and Devin Booker has been a bigger issue than Cameron Johnson in the place of Jay Crowder. Like, I I don't really look at that and say that's a fix. Totally. Yeah. You know, and that, and I do think that uh, in a lot of ways, the Suns have struggled by not really having a rim runner in a lot of games because DeAndre hasn't necessarily been a rim runner. Well, And the way the, the offense has worked in in previous seasons is that he was running the floor a little bit harder on those, uh, those pick and rolls. And we saw it today in this game. It was still a struggle for Devin Booker. I think outside things affected that, like the referees and a few guys on the floor that I think got on his nerves a little bit more than a regular game. But, you know, having an extra rim runner, having a guy that's constantly putting pressure on the sort of vertical gravity that the court has mattered a lot, too. If if DeAndre Ayton can continue to do that, I think that would help solve problems with the starting lineup as well.
1: I think what we saw, to kind of tie it back into the previous conversation we had about Aiton, um, or what we're seeing, is that having a rim runner is kind of antithetical to .5. Or at least it's it's really hard to find a rim runner who also makes smart decisions with the ball in their hands. Because at that point you're asking for something that only describes a few centers in the NBA, and they're basically all superstars. Because um, Damian Jones is a rim runner, and he's a good rim runner too, actually. Uh, statistically, in previous seasons, he's just you know kind of kind of dumb with the ball, and and so you know we saw really quickly that Monty Williams didn't trust him to, to make those types of high level decisions that he, that he wanted, um, which is. To to tie it back into that previous uh, conversation, why it is so important that DeAndre Ayton continues to play the way he did tonight, because at his best... DeAndre Ayton has the athletic tools to be a rim runner, and he can also make the smart decisions um, within the point five offense. And, uh, you know, we, we saw some examples when they were able to successfully get it to him in the post tonight. Um, there were a couple of examples where his gravity sucked multiple defenders in. He kicked it out. They had multiple shooters on the perimeter. Find someone in the corner, maybe Cam Johnson, maybe Jay Crowder, and they knocked down an open three. So that sort of stuff can happen um, with a smart guy like, like DeAndre Ayton sometimes while also being a rim runner. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess like Damian Jones. He technically, you throw Damian Jones out there, and maybe Devin Booker would feel a little bit more comfortable throwing the ball up there for someone to to, to dunk it. It's just you, you can't really justify playing him because of all the other stuff.
0: Right, right. I, I I think maybe we're being a little a little bit hard on Devin Booker because he just had a very bad game.
1: Uh, I <laughs> mean, you could it, sort of pin. You know, he's he went five for uh, five for twenty one, five for twenty two. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell has games like these every three weeks and jazz fans find a way. So, you know, I'm I'm saying like it's going to get better than this. This is like had we recorded our, our last podcast right after the Washington loss when everyone was so angry, it would have been hard not to overreact. And so here I am. I'm asking you not to overreact. It's like this because I just thought of this, Mike. Last year, uh, Mikhail Bridges, uh, his shot wasn't working. And do you remember when everyone looked like they were about ready to dump their Mikhail Bridges stock? Mm hmm. And what happened? Yeah, he figured it out. I I just, you know, as long as the commitment and the effort is there and it's every day and you can see it. I just think that what Devin Booker has given to this franchise, um, he's not a guy to bet against. He's going to get it back.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they need to figure, they have some things to figure out though. I think Monty Williams has an interesting puzzle because he's got two really good players and that's probably the tough part, really, because it's, it's, it's difficult to tell either one of them to take a step back in Chris Paul and Devin Booker because both of them succeeding is the best possible scenario for this team to succeed. And to find the right mix of both of those guys is going to be the you most know, important part of, of this team just so far. Just
1: quickly before we kind of segue into, I guess, closing out here, what uh, talking about the upcoming games this week. It's kind of impossible to answer this question, but if you could ask Chris Paul, like honestly, uh, wh- what do you think Chris Paul's honest thoughts are on on this start? You know, if you had to ask him, like, because Chris Paul is an ultra competitive guy. That's what we know about mm-hmm. him, right? We know he's not satisfied mm-hmm. with seven and five. But I'm man, I'm curious, like, what Chris Paul would would really think if it's like comes down to a personal accountability for him, because because what you're asking him to do there, kind of take a backseat to Devin Booker a little bit. I just wonder, you know, how how a guy like him. Obviously, when he came to Phoenix, he thought in the back of his mind that there was at least a chance to win a championship here over the next two years, that that was his right. window, right? So I'm wondering how he's feeling about it now 12 games later is basically what I'm
0: saying. Right, right. Uh, that, that's a very interesting thing, and it'll be interesting to see what he talked about so far in in like these post-game pressers after these last two games to see if there's anything interesting there that he's said. But you bring up a really good point because the way that this team has worked so far is that the starters have not gelled and the bench has bailed them out and now we had a game with Cameron Payne out where they got killed and we had a game with Dario Saraita out where they lost in a close game. Those are two very important players for this team but they shouldn't be so important that they're incapable of winning in those two games specifically teams that should be by all accounts worse than them, worse than them especially the uh, game against Washington, I do think Memphis with John Morant is going to be better than maybe a lot of people expect. Well, yeah, now that he's back,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. No, to your yeah, point, but yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, so I,
0: it's tough. You, the, the the it shouldn't be that important for the bench to be there and playing, right? Right. I think that's that's a huge problem with where the team is at, and it's something that they absolutely
1: need to you, figure out. You can't rely on a twenty point. Performance out of Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson, also in order to win the game. You know it's just not right. fair, and and even more so now that Cam is in the starting lineup as well. Um, with your point about Memphis, you know people are going to say, "Well, they're still seven and five. Why are you guys worried?" I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not freaking out right now. Um, but if if you're asking why anyone is worried, here's the Western Conference standings right now. I don't know if you guys noticed uh, the Utah Jazz are nine and four. First of all, that's something I didn't expect. They've won five in a row, so they're now the third seed. The Suns are seven and five, and they're still the fourth seed. But after them, San Antonio is eight and six. Portland is eight and six. Memphis is right. seven and six. Dallas is six and six. Golden State is six and six. The mm-hmm. Thunder, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the one team we expected to be complete garbage this year, irredeemably so. They're six and six. Denver is six and seven. They're going to get better. Houston is uh, Houston's four and seven somehow. That's actually really interesting. Um, but you get my point there's a lot of good teams in this conference and the Suns squandered a couple of close games and all of a sudden they're within one game of you know being the eighth or ninth seed and and getting bounced out of the playoffs now I don't think they will be I think ultimately they're still gonna settle around you know where we expected them to be Um, but for fans getting nervous you know I think there's a reason for that it's just you you kinda take a look at who's creeping up on you and it makes you a, a, a little bit scared
0: Yeah, yeah I don't think that this game or even the Washington game uh, I mean, obviously those are reasons to be nervous, but I think there were reasons to be nervous before that because the starters weren't the reason we were winning. The bench was the reason we were winning. And if the bench is a reason, that's going to be a problem. I will say after, let's see, for 13, 14 games-ish for the OKC Thunder last season, they had a net rating of 0.1, which is essentially the net rating of, uh, uh, they were 5-7 and seven is a good way to look at that. So the Suns are 7-5, OKC last year 5-7. and seven. Uh, I think there might be something, too. It takes a little bit of time for Chris Paul to sort of familiarize himself with the team and for the team to familiarize themselves with Chris Paul, as evidenced by uh, you know the OKC Thunder last season. And I think we can expect that to get better as the season rolls along. He's, he's a different kind of player. He's a guy that can make a massive difference for a team going forward. Um, so I imagine that that's going to get better over time. What do you think?
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. If you're asking if I'm like second guessing the decision by the Suns to, you know, get Chris Paul. Like, no, that's ridiculous. What what the Suns did when they got rid of Ricky Rubio and added Chris Paul is they added a guy who has more self-creation talent, something that is always at a premium in the NBA. And I will never, ever question James Jones's uh, uh, decision to bring that in because it was undoubtedly a smart move. Um, Yeah, they'll figure it out.
0: The next out. few games that we're looking at on the schedule, assuming that these happen because there are still issues exactly. that the NBA is sort of figuring out and they're t- the type of issues that could affect the Suns going forward. Uh, Rockets on Wednesday, Nuggets on Friday again, and then Nuggets again on Saturday. So we have a saying. back-to-back against the Nuggets. Both of those well, are at
1: home, I believe, too. It can get rough fast, though, if you start, yeah. <laughs> if you start to drop a couple of those. Looking forward to what, uh, yeah, what online Suns communities would be saying if they drop another two out of three. Um, <laughs> what do you think about any of those games? Do you have any thoughts? Not, not initially. Um, Houston's Houston's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm really looking forward. Christian Woods, my guy. I love that guy. Um, yeah. I, I just love watching him play basketball. He's got defensive issues to figure out, but like, I think people. Yeah, which have- is good for the Suns. It's good for the Suns. I think people have caught up to the idea of Christian Wood. Uh, You know, People recognize that he's a most improved player candidate now, but they may be going overboard with their expectations of him. Now that James Harden is off the Rockets, Christian Wood is a guy who's making $13 million a year. The idea was never that he was going to be the number one option on that team. And even if he is averaging 22, 23 points per game right now, he shouldn't be a number one option. He's he's good, but he's not that good. Um, So Houston is a team of a bunch of betas, and they don't really have an alpha anymore without a... (laughs) It's. I mean, it's just the truth. Like without James Harden, who's like you know an amazingly talented player, um, they've got some good pieces. They can certainly scrape together a win. We've seen much worse teams beat Phoenix this year, so they can absolutely lose that one. Um, But uh, all that being said, I think the Suns are still favored in that game. Um, Da's aggression, sustained aggression, is going to be the key. So I hope to see that out of him. Maybe uh, Chris Paul comes up with a big performance against his former team.
0: Yeah, I imagine that Devin Booker will have a much better game because that was one of the worst games of the last few years for him. So, yeah, you're right. If De- if DeAndre Ayton keeps that same aggression, that should be a win. I would say Victor Oladipo should be playing that game, so that'll be interesting to see as well. You know, working another new guy onto a team could be another benefit for the Suns. I think there's an element of the Rockets trying to prove everybody that they're better than they were with James Harden, so there's a good chance they'll be on their game. So the Suns cannot take that game for granted, even though they're coming back against the Nuggets twice in a row, who arguably have the MVP in Nikola Jokic early on in this season. We've seen some interesting games against the Nuggets. It's tough to beat them. It's nice that it's at home. It's not necessarily, I believe they're at home. It's not necessarily in the uh, altitude. And I think that they could do pretty well against that team. They've done well. I mean, they beat them once this season so far. Uh, it, it's not easy anytime it's you play the Nuggets. Never. As we know, Jamal Murray turns into Michael Jordan against the Suns every time the Suns play them, so those will be some tough games. Any
1: thoughts on those games? Yeah, it's just, it's just never easy <laughs> against yeah. them. It is never, never easy. Uh, is it a cop-out if I say DeAndre Ayton is the key player in those in those games as well? DeAndre Ayton is just the, the guy. He needs to be the guy this entire next week because he's got a hell of a week cut out for him.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I don't think that's a cop-out, because I think in a lot of ways, you generally, I think you're expecting better games out of Devin Booker, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, yeah. you expect yeah. better out of Devin Booker, than than a big X factor is DeAndre Ayton, because consistency is the important thing there. I, I
1: expect better games out of Devin Booker in that I don't think he's going to shoot 6-for-21, or 5-for-21 again this week, but I don't know if we're going to get, you know, just the Devin Booker we've seen this year, who's like, okay, but not amazing, or if we're going to get the bubble Devin Booker at any point, which would be nice. I don't know how soon that's going to come. I think it's coming eventually, but I don't know if it's coming this week.
0: Yeah, it's tough to to have the best game, arguably, of the season for DeAndre and then a loss. The best game for Devin Booker was probably Washington, although he had no assists, so a weird game. But the best scoring game for him so far was that game. And, uh, you know, it's just an interesting thing where – They've they've struggled. I think you said it earlier. One of these days, we're going to get a game where they both have a really good game in the same game. <laughs> I we've we haven't seen, really seen that yet. We've
1: seen a couple of those before. Uh, a couple of those before. I feel like this we've season? seen no, <laughs> no. Okay. We haven't seen one this season. We've never seen a game where Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton all play well at the same time. We saw a couple right. games uh, last year, maybe, maybe last year or maybe the past. I, I remember a couple games like when they beat the the Mavericks. Whenever they yeah. whenever the Suns beat the Mavericks, it's because both guys show out. Right um, or the Bucks <laughs> or the Bucks those stand out in my mind. But this season, you're right we haven't we haven't had a good consistent effort from both Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton yet. Hopefully, it's coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice. Tough, tough losses.
0: Tough to come on and record a podcast after two games like that. We'll be back next weekend for sure. We may do something midweek. Check out our YouTube channel for a great video that Sam made about Dario Saric as well and another you had another video that posted recently as well what was that one i already forgot
1: who uh yeah it's uh devin booker video um oh
0: the devin booker video as well for devin booker's passing yeah did a yeah yep you know where to find it (laughs) all right we'll be back soon